0: good morning grinders welcome to the dfs pregame show here on roto grinders i'm jordan cooper aka blender at blender hd You can follow me there on twitter uh this is the show where we go over a little bit about yesterday's slate talk a little bit about today's slate but of course it's 11 o'clock in the morning and anything could happen in nba dfs so we focus a lot about uh, DFS strategy in general, and I always take questions from the chat room here on YouTube. Uh, I see Kevin Copeland in there. I see uh, Chandler Cannon, Dustin Hogue, Mister Meat Plow, Mister Plow, how you doing? Jupocalypse, Jane Hall, Patrick Bush, Card Fan, First Round Exit. They know they know what to do first. Hit that thumbs up button, right? The thummy thumbs. I got the I, I got the mango stuff today, right? I'm out of the regular apple juice. So I'm, I, it's back to the mango apple pack in there. It's a little cold now. And it says apple, May. see it says apple mango here, but it really tastes like, man- it tastes like mango. And they just like threw in some apple juice just to, I don't know, to supplement it or something like that. So it's really not apple juice. It's like mango juice, but that's fine. Keep the mango juice cold by hitting the thummy thumbs. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here, hit, the notification bell to know when we go live every morning uh I, yesterday uh was uh profitable profitable for me mostly in cash uh i had, I had some decent gpp lineups but not the, you know not perfect ones for small field gpps but just to keep you apprised on the cash game bankroll tracker uh we're doing well we're we're not at all time highs but we're close we're close it's very similar to the stock market a little right? We're up and up and up and up, up. Oh, we got up over here. And now we're kind of like hovering. So, so you can see right here from yesterday, did well on DraftKings, did well on FanDuel, Yahoo, not so much. Uh, but I mean, we're hovering somewhere like in the past week, hovering around that $13,000 range, which is great. I mean, it's a $20,000 investment. So I mean, we're with 60% return from there. So yeah, but still hovering up and down. But you can see, you can see the ebbs and flows, right? Goes up to nine thousand, down to six thousand, up to this. You get a, a good run, right? Two two sweeps in a row. We got a sweep here. They got us in, in this range. So here we go. So thirteen thousand, but obviously mostly carried by Vandal, positive on Yahoo now. DK, it's holding. It's it's in the rear, but uh, that's the whole purpose of diversification, right? Some days you're going to hit one place. Some days you're not going to hit one place, right? So you diversify it out. Nice 10% daily ROI currently, 13,178 net. And, uh, you know, diversification. I see people, I see one guy in our premium discord, okay? Which you can get if you're a premium member, right? So sign up, use the link in the description below. Get $10 off your first month. Like he just, he barely, he, 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 got right under the cash line on FanDuel. He was like literally like, like 0.1 off the cash line because he was playing the $2 multi-entry GPP, the multi-entry uh, double up on FanDuel, you know, the 150, right? The big, the band says, outs the big. And they put it in a little highlighting and he put 150 entries or 75. I think he put 75 entries into that. None of them cashed, right? He's off by 0.1. As opposed to diversifying by playing head-to-heads, by playing not multi-entry double-ups, playing the playing the 100-man 50-50s, playing the 50-man 50-50s, the 20-man 50-50s, even playing the double-ups that are one the $2, 113-entry double-up. I'm not sure if he would have cashed in in many of those either, but not it's not going to be zero. You're not going to put in a, you're not going to put in 150 bucks and get back zero. So even in that case, he would have put in 150 bucks and gotten back 40, which over the course of time is, is going to, is, is going to be more beneficial to you than by uh, putting all your eggs in one basket and then just riding, riding the waves like that. Yes. If he would, if he cashes all the lineups, yes, he truly doubles his money, but as we see, if you diversify, like through all these times in diversifying, you know, 60%, 70%, 85%, 88, 87, 56, 69. Obviously, if you throw it into some like quintuple ups and some single entry GPPs, you can get even over 100. Like on Yahoo, that's what I do there. But you see these numbers are, are rarely like, like here, here's a bad day on draft. Uh, here's a, here's a, like an average, like, no, oh, 8%. Oh, you only got 8%. It's like, well, that means I, I didn't cash. a bunch of double ups and like head to heads kind of saved my way to get me a profit right you don't get you don't get as huge swings at the end of the year at the end of the season you end up with about the same amount of money right by doing it one way or the other way but do you want to compete in the multi-entry double ups where i could play 150 entries right chipotle attic could play 150 entries squirrel patrol could play 150 entries just for a cash game like, no, you're more likely to find weaker opponents playing single lineups in single entry double-up type of contests. I mean, I don't even play those, okay? Just to put things in perspective. I'm playing, you know, tonight it's going to be $3,300 worth of volume in cash across the three sites. I don't play the multi-entry double-ups on, on any site, right? I don't play on DraftKings. Uh, they, they, oh, the $5, 150 No, I don't do that. Those are the, those are the toughest contests, Right? I'm, I'll spread it out. I'll, I'll ra- I'd rather play a twenty-three man, five-dollar double up than play any of the multi-entry ones, right? Even if I'm playing against similar opponents, but at least the sharper opponents could only play one entry, in double ups in GPPs. It doesn't matter. People get that people get that wrong. Oh, I can't play the hundred fifty max. You know, four-dollar micro millions just because uh, I I can't play six hundred dollars worth of volume like it's perfectly fine who cares about the names but when double ups it, you're playing trains in double ups you you, have, you 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 want to duplicate in double ups you don't care about that right you want to play the best possible lineup and take as many spots as possible in gpps that's not good because the spots all pay different amounts first is this and then it's less and then it's less and then it's less but in a double up it's like all the spots pay the same so they're going to be taken up by a lot more sharper players because they're putting in 150 lineups or something. So I'm avoiding that. I'm, I'm, I'm playing the larger field, 124 man, single entry, right? Head to heads, split it out. If, even if you're gonna play the, those sharper players, play, play five instead of a, a hundred dollars worth of volume in those contests, play $25 head to heads against the same opponents that would be in there But at least you're you're getting a linear return that goes along with the score of your lineup. It's very rare that you're going to lose all 20. It's also very rare you're going to win all 20, but it's going to be somewhere in the middle. So if you have a bad lineup, you could still possibly beat some opponents in your head pads. So I know I stress this all the time that if you're a cash player, like you should should be seeking diversification. Right? You're not... you shouldn't be playing cash for upside. Oh, it's all or nothing. Like, why? why? Why do you need to? I mean, it's very similar to the stock market. You don't put all your eggs into one stock, you diversify. But that's the reason I'm getting, I get returns like I'm getting. Maximizing the contest selection for the weakest opponents over ones that aren't, and then diversifying. So, I could have days where, yes, you're right. I lost on Yahoo, but I won on DraftKings and FanDuel. Here, I, I, here's a losing day here, here, look at, look at this losing day on the, on the seventh. Lost 31% on DraftKings, lost 83% on Yahoo, won 49% on FanDuel. And look at the difference between the sixth and the seventh. I lost a total of like three bucks, Right. Still with like three thousand dollars. Look, look how much. Well, it was not three thousand. That looks like uh, about twenty five hundred dollars worth of volume. Risk twenty five hundred, lost three bucks. Diversifying. If I didn't play on Fanduel that day, that would have been a six hundred dollar loss. Well, that's why you play on all three sites, right? All three sites and diversify from there. So just a little cash game advice. I know I say this all the time. I don't know why. I don't know why I need to. I I don't know why I need to repeat this stuff. I mean, a lot of times if you watch this show, you've been watching the show for, you know, five weeks heading into this year. And a lot of times I'm repeating the same exact things. Sometimes I'm repeating the same exact things to the same exact people. And I just don't understand. Can someone tell me? Can someone explain to me how do you, how do you not understand? Oh yeah, I get that. But it's too, too much work a lot of times. Oh, well, that, that means I have to click through. the. Yeah, uh, what is your goal? If you're looking to have fun, don't listen to me. Who cares? Go watch some other YouTube video. Go on TikTok, right? Go go watch, watch some cats dancing. That's perfectly fine, perfectly fine. Have all the fun you want. Me, I'm trying to teach you teach you how to think like a professional DFS player, just like my course Theory of DFS.com, 15-hour audio masterclass. But the main the main quote that I have I have in there is 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 from David Sclancy. I'll even I'll even show you like this. This is the to me the most important the most important thing above all above all else okay the quote that i the, the quote that i live by okay it's right over here he's a famous poker author when we play we must realize before anything else that we are out to make money that should be the that should be the focus if that's your goal if your goal isn't that then don't worry about it then have fun click on buttons bash your head against the keyboard do whatever you want but at the end of the day, I'm doing this to make money. That to me, that's the scoreboard. Not on that. Not make money on a specific slate, but make money in general, over the course of a year, over the course of five years, over the course of a month, whatever time period. But that's what that's 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 why I say these things. Oh, well, it's not fun to like. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put post some head to heads like on FanDuel, There's no limiter, right? If you post a million head to heads, like someone could come on and just take all of them. So the best thing to do in that in that situation, that type of environment, is to post them periodically. Right? Don't post five $50 head Just post one. And some so no one can take all of them, unless you want that. And then when you see it gets taken, you post another one. You go, oh, that means I have to look at it throughout the day. Oh, oh, is that so much work? You, I look at it once every one or two hours, and then I start entering games. And then okay an hour or two later, look at it again. Oh, that's too much. If that's too much work, I mean, come on. Then you're, then, then you're not on the you're not body. When we play, we must realize before anything else that we were out to make money. We're trying to find the weakest players we can, right? We're trying to get as much diverse action as we can with the most amount of opponents. That would be prudent for your investment. So you have to put the work in. How much work is it? You just look. I'll look after the show and go, okay, what double ups opened up on DraftKings? What, you know, what's going on in Yahoo? Click, 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 click. And okay. And then I move on. Then an hour later, I look at it again. If that's, if that's what you need to do in order to get diversification, then that's what you need to do. And then like an hour before lock, half an hour before lock, 10 minutes before lock, you see what's, you know, you get the latecomers. And a lot of times the late, the late people tend to be more casual. So you need to fill up some some more double-ups? Do it towards the, towards the end. Most people are spending so much time on like, what players do I play? And what lineups do I put together? And what blah, blah, blah. Do I do this? Do I do a 2v2? And a lot of times, what? It's 15 11, 11, in the morning. We have no idea what's going to happen by 5.30. Right? But that injury report, 6.30. We don't know. So if you're sitting there wondering, oh, should I look into who I'm playing tonight? No. Look into your contest selection feel like i'm scolding people now but people ask me these questions all the time oh i look at your cash because people say I, I look at your cash game tracker and i'm playing very similar lineups to you sometimes the same exact lineup as me you're making more money than i am how is that possible it's like well i'm just doing better content selection that, that, at that the end of the day that's it and it's not like i'm finding some rando at the 500 head-to-heads and that's how i'm doing and, you know some weird situation i'm still i'm playing five ten dollars Games, you know, $50 head-to-heads is my highest and I'm spreading it out. But on on most days on draft games, I'm only playing like four $50 head-to-heads. But I'm also playing eight $20 head-to-heads and I'm playing 12 to 15 $10 head-to-heads and $25 head-to-heads. I'm still playing against decent players a lot of times there. A lot of times, you know, my games don't don't get taken and then just auto-match with whoever. And then I'm just spreading my risk out. So when when your lineup is like close to the line, it's it doesn't mean if it's oh you're up by one point and you're you're done, fifteen hundred dollars turns into zero, or uh, and then fifteen hundred turns into three thousand. Like like, what? Why do you have to do it that way? Just with contest selection, you could mitigate your risk and still have the same upside in your return over the course of a year. I know a lot of people may not play cash games, but this is this is what you should be doing, especially at the low stakes. I at the higher stakes, it's tougher because there's less like weak opponents. But if you're still able to play the one, two dollar, three dollar games, like dude, if you if you're playing a hundred dollars a night in cash, like you could be you could be really picky about the contest that you play. I'm looking to get. I mean, I'm going to be looking to get thirty-three hundred dollars worth of cash rolling tonight. I. I'm going to be picky, but only to a certain extent, because I'm not going to be able to get $3,300 worth of cash volume in the softest action ever. I'm going to have to move up the ladder, right? If you're looking to get $30,000 worth of cash volume, yeah, you have to be even less. Now you're just pretty much taking everything in order to get to that number. But if you're playing 50 bucks, hundred bucks in cash games, like dude, you could, you could snipe people off. You could like I did, Play this 50-50 instead of that 50. You could be really discerning. And I know it sounds like, well, why, why do I have to put that much effort into doing that? Well, over the over the course of a year. Like you could increase your expectation in cash games by doing this by two or three percent. Oh, okay. Well, well, is it worth it for two or three percent? Playing a hundred dollars. That's what, for an extra two or three dollars? That's, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be so discerning for 2 or $3. Well, how many slates are you going to play this year? 300? 400? If you count the night slates and showdown slates and whatever, 500? Let's say you play three to 400 and add three bucks to that. That's $1,000. At the end of the year, that's $1,000 that you just went, poof, I'm just going to throw that in the garbage right? Instead of just like, I'm just going to do what's easiest. I'm just going to open the app. I'm going to go to the website, click, click, click. I'm done. Now it's time to think about lineups. Do you want to make an extra thousand dollars at the end of the year? This is playing a hundred dollars a day. Now imagine you're playing a thousand dollars a day, two or 3%, right? What's two or 3%. What's 2% of a thousand dollars, 20 bucks. You play 300 slates a year. Let's just say that's $6,000. $6,000, Six thousand dollars. Boof! You just threw it away for no reason, just because you didn't want to do the work. You have to look at the big picture. I feel like I feel like I'm scolding, I'm scolding someone that's not here. Uh, Greg R asks: Do the pros who max out the multi-entry cash games really have an edge there, or are they just trying to get as much volume down as possible? Both. Uh, they have an edge because they're the best cash players anyway. They have the least amount of edge in those contests because they're playing against other sharp players that are also putting in 150 entries into those contests. But they're also trying to get the most volume down as possible. So yeah, they'd rather not have to play that that con. They'd rather get volume as many places, other places that they can. But when you, if you're playing 20, 30, $50,000 a night in cash games, like there's, there's, only so, there's only so many contests there are. Sean Wesks asks or says, Looks like FanDuel accounts for 95% of your ROI. Would you not make more money just playing more on FanDuel? Well, who, who says that? D- there are things called variances. FanDuel by the end of the year could be negative. Like people don't understand like how, how much of a stuff, this is 48 slates, 46 slates, 51 slates. DK may end up being the biggest money producer by the end of the season. It could, right? FanDuel just happens, happens to be going well, the first month and a half of the season. Maybe FanDuel, something happens, who knows? But that doesn't mean that you just go, okay, I'm just going to play on FanDuel because then you're not diversified anymore. You're at the whim of, of your streaks on FanDuel. But what you can do is rebalance. Right? You could rebalance your portfolio. If you believe that, yeah, maybe after 50 or so slates, maybe I have a bigger edge on Fanduel than I do on DraftKings. So I should allocate more. You're right, conceptually. Maybe I should allocate more on Fanduel and less on DraftKings. Doesn't mean it's all in, but you could see that's exactly what I'm doing. Like we saw yesterday, right? I put in about 3,100 looks like or so. $3200 worth of volume. If you see I'm playing more on more on FanDuel most nights, right? On the 6th, One, 1475 on FanDuel, 1100 on DraftKings, 560 on Yahoo. Right? 1300, 1592, 350. 1255 1548 272. Here's 1600 on FanDuel, 1360 on DraftKings, 47 on Yahoo. So you can see I'm I'm tilting it towards FanDuel. In the beginning, I wasn't. In the beginning, I actually went the other way, right? The other way I was playing more on DraftKings. Then as the results started tipping towards FanDuel, I started allocating more. Very similar to rebalancing your, your your stock portfolio. Right? You're getting you're getting gains in one direction, but you have to make sure that you're diversified compared to your risk. And obviously, as of right now, I have to assume that my risk on DraftKings is a little higher. My risk on FanDuel is a little lower, so I'm going to start tilting my allocation towards the lower risk, as opposed to before. Until I see, until I see different results. If it's if, if FanDuel and DraftKings starts coming this way, then I then I start allocating that way. But I can't just make a, a, a snap judgment that like, oh, I should just be playing all of my volume in FanDuel. Who knows? You could go and sing, you could lose six days in a row. I mean, it. This doesn't mean anything. 48 slates, 68% win rate, that's unsustainable. Most likely this is going to end somewhere in the, it in a good if this would be good. If FanDuel ends the year with a 62% win rate, I'd be hist- ecstatic. 62% win rate. DraftKings maybe maybe it ends with a 57% win rate. So it's like okay, profitable but not great. Maybe Yahoo does the same thing. Like that that's realistic. win rates are not realistic. This is not sustainable over the course of a a lifetime. Short-term variance. So 48 slates, yeah, 48 slates is still short-term. Okay, let's see. Go through the YouTube chat for a little bit that I yelled about cash games. (sighs) Let's see. On podcast people, I know I, I, I always talk and read the questions out because you could listen to this later on the podcast feed, Roto-Grinders DFS pregame show. So you could subscribe to that in your podcast player, your 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 app of choice, iTunes, and go and go and rate and review it there. Let's see. people are talking about poker in the YouTube chat because Alex Santi's here. Let's see. Jamal Faruqi very, very, makes a very good point. Is DFS really just portfolio theory, which is financial theory, finding the lineups or portfolios that maximize the Sharpe ratio, the expected return versus risk? Yes, that's literally exactly what it is. That, that, line, lineups, not players, portfolio. I mean, you're building portfolios with a certain amount of risk and the weighting of the risk based on the, the projections of the players. It's exactly the same thing, not exactly, but it's it's virtually the same thing. It's financial theory, it's probability theory, it's game theory, it's all in one. That's all it is. That's all this is. Just so happens to be the performance of sports players and games, but this, this you could play DFS stock market if you wanted. Oh, what stocks are gonna go up today and, and build your little portfolio and whoever has the best portfolio at the end of the day wins. I mean, it could be the same thing, be in anything, any any type of one day, anything. How many, how many cantaloupes are in the supermarket? I mean, it could be that. Grocery store, DFS, it's, it's the same exact thing. Okay, so let, let's take a look a little about yesterday. I just wanted to show yesterday. Yesterday, if you played highly contrarian lineups, you probably did really well. So we take a look at the, the large micro millions opener 148,000 entries you needed 370 to win compare that to the 888 which is a 597 entry contest 335 so the field size matters a lot and we see yesterday that a lot of single bullets a lot I mean because contrarian lineups won I mean heavily contrarian lineups like lineups that are almost too contrarian right Cause we got a lot of, a lot of news yesterday that changed stuff with uh, Devin Booker, right? Chris Paul was ruled out, Drew Holiday, just poof, just not in the starting lineup. And it's, I, like, I guess he's not playing, right? That made Middleton a better play. But a lot of times by that, by the time the Bucks you knew about Drew Holiday, your small forward position was probably full, filled already. Or you would have rather played uh, Devin Booker and Middleton beat him anyway. I mean, like Fred, look, look, I mean, look at, look, at, look at these ownerships. I mean, the, the problem came into the fact, like if we take a look at the 888, is that some of the chalk got there, but like for their price, like Bradley Beal at 9,000 got 55 points. Devin Booker at 7,400 got 54 points. DeAndre Ayton even got 45. DeMarcus Cousins was a bust for his price. 65% owned, 7,100. But the problem is that a lot of people a lot of players got in that 50 range, All right, Deontay Murray at 62 points. I mean, that's why we could take a look at the, the the winning lineup up here. It's like, dude, you could have Porzingis, 2% owned. Drummond got 46, right? Baisley got 48 at 1% owned, right? We saw Fred Van Bleed in one of those lineups, right? And even on the cheap end, like LeBron, obviously, Shy got there. But even on the cheap end, like if you played one of the Rockets, you would have been better off playing Etuan Moore or Davis Bertans, Denzel Valentine, Sterling Brown, old Daniel House. Everyone in that range kind of hit like in the mid-20s, 20 to 25 points. Right, Jay at 23. Nawaba had 20. Like you, had, you could find value. You could have found like anyone in that range. So we take a look at like Osimo's lineup. Right, I mean, just... In these, because this is the 597 person contest. The 321 in in this contest is like not even on the first, it's not even on the first screen. It's like Deontay Murray, like you didn't even need LeBron. Like that's how many lower owned players put up a decent score, a good ceiling score. You didn't even need LeBron 74 points. I made a bunch of lineups like that. I made LeBron shy, Gilgis Alexander lineups. With Frank Kaminsky in there, you know, like use that as the value. So I mean, I made a profit on on GPPs. I mean, I was playing single entry at three max. But I mean, if you won, you needed to score a lot, and you could only have gotten these scores from guys that were single digit owned. I mean, take a look at the the ownerships on on these lineups, mostly single digit owned players. But that's also the main reason why we have we don't have many like one fifty matches or no names that are really that high up, right? Nico 22, right? I mean, still, yes, if you fade Cousins, you get a lot of leverage, I get it. But I mean, you also could have easily faded other people as well. Devin Booker, if we knew about Devin, did Chris Paul before Locke, I mean, we knew like 10 minutes after Locke, Devin Booker would have been like twice as owned at 7,400, right? Aiton would have been twice as owned. I think if you played Suns yesterday and you swapped, I said I, you gained a lot of equity. Because we see that all the time. I mean, yes, they were owned twenty-four percent, but I'm 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 telling you, they would it would have been forty percent. If We had that news: Chris Paul was out at two in the afternoon. A lot, a lot different ownerships. Like Middleton is Middleton, it's whatever, whatever happens. Most likely, once once you once, once Drew was kind of ruled out because of covid protocols like you didn't really have anywhere to go right even if you did it before nine o'clock like you had to decide between middleton or devin booker and devin booker would have still projected better so don't beat yourself up over that but we see here that you know contest contest selection matters here obviously this is a four dollar contest and this is an 888 dollar contest but still like the top line up here that won $100,000 for 335 points is not even on this screen. 335 points in this, in this contest. Well, I have to, I still have to go further. 335 would have paid off of $4, 335 still going, 50 bucks. That's the difference there's this, these lineups over here, 3 here. Let's take a look at, uh, let's take a look at a hub row over here. Right. It made sense. Like Valentine's in here, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, and then still some low on plays, right? Murray, Johnson, Baisley, Aiton, each one more. Right. I mean, I get this lineup, this lineup, this lineup absolutely makes sense. Just that like Bradley Beal was unnecessary. Yeah. He put up 55, but other people did also. Devin Booker put up 55, but other people did also. So even though some of the chalk did get there, tons of other players did. And you could have had a a mess of different types of players. So they could take a look at uh, Anil, his lineups, right? Jared Allen, because he started, right? Didn't start over Drummond, but started with Drummond. So still built leverage into the lineup, but like, yeah, normally in most slates, Deontay Murray's 5% owned 62 points would be enough for this lineup to come close to winning. But not when not not when we have multiple guys. We have multiple single-digit owned guys that are putting up 45, 50, 50-plus 50 points. So there are multiple paths yesterday to winning. Oh, we got Sylvester in here. He's in our he's in our, uh, Roto-Grinders Premium Discord. Here, Murray, DeRozan, Waba, I mean... Right, some single-digit. Murray was single-digit. Still had chalk Bradley Beal. Still had chalky Booker. Right, he played Nawaba instead of the uh, like Sterling Brown, like the Rockets cheap guys. But even Nawaba was 15% owned. So that, was, that wasn't that much of a pivot. He paid down at center for Boucher instead of playing Cousins. Okay, that's doable. There were a lot of roads in this large field contest. There are a lot of roads to get there. But if you take a look, because, you know, because there were a lot of roads and it contained multiple single digit owned players, like most, like most sharp players aren't playing lineups that are there. Even in 148,000 entry contest, these lineups are just like, they're, they're still like very, very contrary. You didn't need all of them. You need all of them. You need all of them. Just managed to hit all of them. That's why like Sadoransky's sitting there, like, what is he doing there? Uh, well, what's the, when you outperform all the rest of your lineup by having Middleton, Porzingis, Fred Van Vliet, Baisley, I mean, look, 2%, 3%, 3%, 8%. Even D he put up 7X. Right? Who cares? Then Sadoransky's just raw points. Who cares? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Right? It doesn't matter at that point. I think these lineups are a little over leveraged even for 148,000 entry contest, but they can get there, right? There are outcomes where this, this happens. I would rather, if if you're going to learn anything, I'd rather you be on this side than on the, I'm going to play a chalky cash lineup into 148,000 entry GPP. Okay. So just by pure suggestion, I'd rat, if you're going to make a mistake, make it because you're playing a, like a very contrarian lineup than like too chalky of a lineup in a contest this size. Because that's the biggest edge in DFS, people that are playing cash lineups, essentially, lineups with very little win equity in contests that are fucking 148,000 entries. It's just you're throwing your money away. You know what I mean, what's the best you could do? Min cash, 2X? Like in the long term, you, you're throwing your money away. You can have a ne- negative ROI on that. So if anything, Play, play contrarian in these types of contests. Lean more towards that knowing you're going to lose 90% of the time, okay? Put that little posted on your, on your computer. Tattoo it on your forehead and look in the mirror if you want. You're going to lose over 90% of the time in GPPs. If you're playing well, you're going to lose. So if you lose, don't act like it's a big deal. You're gonna lose nine out of 10 times. And you want the one time that you win to not be a min cash, to be a lot of money. I could say this a million times and people still don't do it. Good for me. You're my contest. Thank you. Looking through the YouTube chat. Some more. Some more. Hit that thumbs up button. Give me the thummy thumbs. I got the mango juice. The mango, the apple, the apple mango says apple mango. It doesn't, really doesn't go buy this. It's Mott's. Mott's apple mango. Go, go test it out for me. Maybe it's my taste buds. Tastes like mango juice. I've had mango. I have mango juice. I get the mango smoothies like Bolthouse Farms. They have the, the mango. It tastes like that. I mean, not as a smoothie, but it tastes like a mango. You go get it. You tell me, you tell me if it tastes like apple juice. It doesn't. Let's see. Uh, let's see through here. Uh, Randy Hendricks says, yo blender got 536 place in the 888. Been getting crushed lately. Wonder if we gave my lineup some constructive criticism. Don't mind my lineup being up on the screen. I don't think I could see the. I don't think we, we could, we have that. It's anonymized like past the payout spots. Like I don't even think I can. It'll just say anonymous. What was your score? I don't even know if I could find it. Five, you came in 538. Okay. So I guess I could find that. 536. Let's see. Let's see Randy's lineup. Okay. no, we can't even see. it. I can't even. No, sorry. It's too low. Right? No, can't see it. It was that bad. What did you do that that was that bad? Uh, such a contrarian stuff won yesterday. Like, how did you play that bad? <laughs> And unless you just went contrarian in an absolutely different way. I guess maybe you played Luca. You did something something like that with Luca. Luca didn't get there. I could I could see, yeah. Yeah, if you Luca Luca, I mean Luca wasn't that contrarian. I mean Luca was probably like 15% or something. 18%. So yeah, so that's on an what, eight game slate? I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I can't I can't find the lineup. Corey Allen says, "I know DraftKings is a better platform. No, that's in the eye of the holder. It's not better. I play both. But does this apply to FanDuel? And do you play on FanDuel? Yes, I play on FanDuel. This does apply to FanDuel. The, the problem is, is that on FanDuel, they don't have publicly downloadable CSVs of the contests. So, like Results DB, what we have here on RotoGrinders, what you could get, you could go for free. You don't even need a premium membership. Go to RotoGrinders.com/slash/resultsdb." DraftKings does have those CSVs. So we could just ingest them and do all of this and show all these screens and look at ownership and do all of this on DraftKings, but you can't on FanDuel. So that being that we're discussing strategy, we're reviewing yesterday's slate. Obviously I'm going to do it in the the span of, of DraftKings because we do have this tool for FanDuel that we don't. So it's kind of hard for me to go over Exposures and who won this and whatever when we don't get that information from DraftKings. Greg R said, yeah, Greg R good question. Oh, I wanted to bring this up. Did RG always do small state, small slate projected ownership, or is that a new thing? Looked like they had it for the turbo slates and night slate yesterday. Yes, now we're doing it. Right? Jamino, Jamino introduced that, I think, yes, yeah, yesterday. We're doing ownership for all slates now. We used to just have ownership for the main slate, right? Whatever the main slate was, that was the ownership and we're done, right? Now, Jimino is the hamsters. We got some new hamsters here, I guess. We got some new hamster wheels. We got some new hamsters. So so there, there is ownership for the late slate, for the turbo slates and things like that. So sign up to Roto Grinders Premium. Hit the link in the description below or in the podcast description, wherever get ten dollars off your first month. so that that's new here. Also another thing that's new uh, in lineup HQ is you can now rename your builds. So like I generated 20 lineups. Now you could click on this and you could call it you know whatever you want. I mean you could even call it like what time it is. 11 a.m. There you go. right? I could build 20 right? I can rename and go 1130 AM, right? Stuff like this, right? You could have multiple builds across here and you could rename any of them. I, I, maybe, maybe it would be better if the rename was underneath so we could get it all in a line. But I'll, I'll talk to the lineup queue team with that. It seems weird because sometimes you could have like like 12 builds. I guess some people have less builds than me. But sometimes I could have 12 builds across the screen. And I think maybe the rename should be better over there. I'm just criticizing the UI, the UI in the middle of a show, but whatever. But you could do that now. So I could rename this. I could rename this to the, 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 no Depot, right? Build or something like that. Or like, if you, if you X'd out a guy and you're like, it's like, oh, this one is with no wall, right? Or something like that. No Vooch. Right? If we ran lineups with Vooch, and you go, those are my no, no Vucevic builds, right? These are these are my Vucevic builds. Vooch, you could just put Vooch there, right? Do something like that. Makes it easier. Right? The same way that you can you can name player groups, right? You could do the same thing. You can rename a player group. So you can do you could do that now on lineup HQ. Right. And also put, put the tutorial videos a little closer. Right, most people didn't realize. You click on the little question mark, and you get all the tutorial videos for Lineup HQ. So, some of the most frequently asked questions about reserving entries, uploading lineups, editing entries, everything. We have little toolbars here, little little things like that, explain things a little bit better. So that's some new features in Lineup HQ. They're they're going to be coming out like every every week or so I'm I'm, I'm along with the, I do some uh, QA with the uh, with the line of base Q team with the developers so I, I, know, I know what's in the pipeline right stuff is going to be coming out just wanted to, to highlight that for for you guys let's see going through the YouTube chat let's see. Shane Dowdy says, "I think the biggest part I struggle with is trying to build lineups with enough leverage that still project well and don't give up too much of a median projection." Well, you're describing exactly what. You, oh, you, I I think the biggest part I struggle with is playing GPPs. Like that's exactly what you do, trying to build lineups with enough leverage that that don't give up a, as much median projection for the con, for the contest size that you're playing. Obviously, the micro millions, hundred and forty eight thousand entries. You're probably you could give up tons tons of median right? You could give up I'm gonna fade this guy, I'm gonna fade that guy. I'm going to give up whatever right? Still have a high high smash percentages, low probability, but you're getting so much relative value by having so much lower ownership. Now in the smaller field contest you don't, need, you, don't, you don't need. you don't need that. So it really depends on your contest size. but that's why you care about lineups and not players. You're looking for lineups and sometimes that sometimes the best lineups the best from an ev perspective for large field gpps include players that you would never consider playing you just go okay i guess that guy fits like and that that's just what it is (laughs) if and and the projections are the are your starting point like everything's done for you basketball wise now it's just well i can't play this guy because he sucks well, he's projected for 19 points and he fits in this lineup that has enough leverage and median and what, so just, just play it. Yeah, but that guy sucks. Well, then, then then turn his projection down from 19 to zero then. Okay, but do you trust the projection model? Yeah, okay, then it's, his median's 19, his ceiling's 31, his floor is nine. Who cares what the player's name is anymore? Does it fit in that lineup, that $3,600 player? Yes. Okay. Then the then the whole lineup makes sense. Play it. But I don't want to play that. Guy. Stop fighting with me. Uh, Donnie Watson says, "QQ." Knowing it's really early, but Vooch seems to be the chalky center tonight. Do you think recency bias on Cousins could be a good GPP pivot and fade Vooch? You could you could make you can make lineups with Cousins that project well as well as as Vooch doesn't matter yes any is a good GPP pivot any center would be are you fading Vooch in a lineup right let's do that people get so caught up on players when it has nothing to do with players it has to do with lineups okay so we're going to build 20 lineups with Vooch in okay we had it before there you go this would theoretically be the optimal 282.95 we have no ownership to compare it to but there we go we have a projection so let's take vooch out build 20 lineups okay 278 so you're sacrificing four points in meeting which ain't bad for large field gpp at all so here you go it has cousins in it there's a lot of, a lot of rockets in it that's it cousins in it this one has gobert in it this one has cousins and gobert this one has cousins and frank mason This says cut you know you have cousins right 278, 277, 277, 277, 276. So you're sacrificing about four points, right? 281, you're not even. I mean, this one's 282, but now you're getting down to 281, 281. Be bound, about down to 280 by some point, yeah. Right, 277. Right, so you can, you can. Does it have to be? Does it have to be cousins? Let's see. Take out cousins. 20 lineups. let's see okay now we're at 277 but we got gobert and uber we got gobert gobert 276 gobert gobert it's a little more gobert 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 is there anything any other center willie herning gomez <laughs> 275 with gobert right still still a lot of gobert let's say we get rid of gobert okay let's okay i don't want Gobert. All right. it's 100 right there we get rid of gobert we run this Okay, 275, Blake Griffin in the center spot. Draymond Green in the center spot. Rashawn Holmes in the center spot, right? But these are down to 275. So we're only still giving up like seven points in median. These, these liners will probably be much lower owned. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what the ownership is. So for large field GPPs, they would, these would be absolutely viable. But it's not a matter. Do you play Cousins over vooch it's like no well vooch gives you the leverage because vooch will be popular be chalky at the center spot how do i make different lineups that don't contain vooch that still project decently well well here we go there you go could it be cousins in the center spot sure could it be blake griffin in the center spot according to our projections it could be take a look at centers could it be Rashawn holmes sure i guess so could it be draymond green yeah we could go we could keep on going from there so like I'm looking at the lineups. I'm not looking at the players. That's the way that you want to find leverage in the center spot. And all it is, is not playing Vooch. What lineups do not have Vooch in it, still project well, well enough for the contest that you're in and are lower owned. There you go. Well, I don't want to play Dwayne Bacon. Well, then choose not to play him. But according to the projections, he's in this lineup. So I'm just looking at lineups. I do this every morning. This is what I mean by saying the same thing to the same people a million times. Can you do it? Of course you can. You could look how many lineups we could build. Look how many different players are in these lineups. DeMar DeRozan, Cole Anthony, Terrence Ross. All within a range. They're all in 275 land, which is seven points off the optimal. You're you're fine. How many lineups could there be? 274 is down here. I mean all these lineups would be fine. I mean, we don't, I, compared to their ownership, which we don't have currently, if these were all owned the same. If all these lineups were owned, projected the ownership, sum was the same, what's the difference mathematically between these lineups? Play, play whichever ones you want, right? Oh, well, I'm gonna play Jimmy Butler lineup and I'm gonna play this, it doesn't matter. 275, 275, 275, 275, 275, 274.95. I mean, the differences of these lineups is this. They all contain different players. Not like completely different players, but I mean, look at our pool right here. Bacon, Grant, Murray, Brown, Irving, Butler, Wall. I mean, look, we're talking about like 20 players here. You a combination of all these 20 players equal about like the same lineup, Mathematically. This is t- doesn't take into account any type of negative correlation. Probably you may we may not want to play Grant and Griffin together, right? Caps to each other's upside, but I mean, and Griffin's only 5,000, but he's horrible. Well, I don't want to play Blake Griffin. I want... Either you trust the projections or you don't trust your projections. The mo- that's what the model says. The model doesn't say play break Blake Griffin. It's just the model says that Blake Griffin... Thirty minutes, twenty-seven point median, floor twelve, ceiling thirty-nine. He's five thousand, and he's eligible at power forward and center. The name? They don't. A the, 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 the lot of HQ doesn't know about the name. The name doesn't matter. If you don't think this is good, okay, I'll bump him down to twenty-eight. Okay, okay, that's fine. If you wanted to do that, if you project him for thirty minutes, this is this is what the model says. So are you going to use the numbers or are you going to use your bias by I don't want to play Blake Griffin. I don't want to play Blake Griffin. I mean, I I look at that and go, really? Am I playing Blake Griffin? But if he fits in the lineups like that, then, then you're playing Blake Griffin. Who else is? Oh, I'm going to play a worse player at 5,000. That's projected worse. No. Let's see. Go through YouTube chat a little bit more. Got a couple of minutes left. Andrew Burton says is is doing my second level strategy. You should start investing your winnings into DraftKings and FanDuel and become a stockholder in these companies. So when you lose on these contests, you will win because the stock will go up. Obviously, I don't play high enough volume that that no one plays a high enough volume that their stock Oh my God! Jordan lost last night. Stock goes up ten percent, right? But no, I, I, I actually, I do, I do have some money, and then in, in, in draft, I do have drafting the stock, but it's more for the sports betting stuff, right? What, why, why bother betting on sports? I'll you bet on the sports, you lose, and then I'll ju- I'll just own the companies, right? I'll just do that, right? I will make more money that way. But yeah, it's to me, it's a hedge. Why not? Rob W says uh asks do the smaller late slates and turbo slates tend to be overlooked or are those contests usually pretty sharp it really depends on the night uh most of the time i find uh, in the gpps i think i think you you'll find in gpps i think cash games are mostly are mostly sharper players i mean you can you can find you can find weak players in the in the weird formats like tiers and 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 the showdown stuff like you you, if you want to, if you want to go and, and pick apart and try to find weak opponents, you can, especially if you're playing at a lower bankroll where it's worth it to do so. Uh, but a lot of times you'll find like the turbo slates and stuff outside of like like the feature GPP, like they they have like an eight dollar contest that's like you know twenty thousand to first. Like people, like that's just like any other GPP. But like the cash games and stuff, I find at least are. Like you don't, you get mostly regs, mostly regulars, but I guess you can, you can, you can find some head. You can, if, if, you, if you, if you want, if you want to be uh, vigilant in uh, in finding weak opponents, you, you can find them. Just depends on what size bankroll you have and what your allocation is. I'm playing 3000 plus a night finding, you know, I can't, number one, I can't play the one to $3 games. So finding a, oh, here's a $5 head to get head against someone that has no badge. Like in the grand scheme of things, like, am I going to spend the half an hour doing that? No. Main slate, I will. But for the turbos and stuff, where it's like, what? Well, what's the... Oh, great, I got $40 of soft action. Great. In the grand scheme of, of my allocation, the time investment doesn't make sense. Let's see. Going through the YouTube chat. Oh. Uh, now people are asking if I could look at their lineup. So I, I try not to do that on these shows because then everyone once said, right? We have a policy in our premium discord that you can't post your lineups, right? Because then everyone, then I'd, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? What do you think of this? And there's already a thousand people in there as it is. So, so I'm sorry. Let's see. Eric Gilbert asks, I have five tickets to the $15 qualifier today. What's the best way to approach this since it's basically bink or bust? It's a winner take all. Play as risky lineups as you can, (laughs) right? I'd fade Vooch in that, right? Find the easiest places to get leverage. I think that's, that's a better way of putting it finding like the the nuanced leverage points of like positions and constructions, aren't as as simple as finding where where the main leverage is going to be. So you're on Fanduel, so I may be a little bit different. So I, I, I boogie is probably the chalk center on Fanduel because he's still only six K. But if it, if this was DraftKings, like most likely, Vooch is going to be chalk. I guess Wall, maybe I mean Vooch and Wall, maybe chalk on 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 DraftKings. So play a lineup with neither of them. Like, because let's just say Wall is twenty five percent owned and Vooch is forty percent owned. Well, by playing neither of them, you're removing sixty five percent of ownership from your lineups automatically. And at that point, you're probably good. Then play wherever you want at that point. Build the best lineups you can. If you just, that's the easiest way of doing it, okay? Rather than, well, I could find lineups that have Vooch, that have leverage. I could find lineups that have Wall, that have leverage, right? And get into these like, like, oh, I could do this. I could do that. It's very close. It's like, no, if you X out Vooch and, and Wall, most likely, I mean, obviously six hours from now, everything could have changed, right? This guy's out. Jimmy Butler's sitting. Damian Lillard is out. And I mean, we, we have no idea. But as of right now, that would be the easiest way. And of course, if Vooch and Wall smash, you're dead, right? And, and that's just that's the way it is. But if they fail, you've gained leverage over, you know, 60, 70% of the field. And you're looking to win first. It's like winner take all. So that's the easiest way to do it. So that's what I would suggest. Get, once you, To learn more about how to leverage your lineups, do it in the easiest ways you can first and then find the nuanced ways. The easiest way is to just like, who's gonna be the, who's gonna be the chalkiest player? X, like that's the easiest. Is it the best way? Not necessarily. Sometimes players project so well that, if, if Booch was, if let's say for instance, if Booch was mispriced at 5,000 tonight, I'd probably not even ever X, because his R G B is gonna be like, <laughs> be like 35 or something, right? At that point, you just lock them into, they don't even, what, that's That's the free square time, right? I guess he fails 2% of the time. Yes, I guess you could do that. But those would be the instances. So most likely lean more towards the, who's the chalk? Let me fade the chalk. In those types of scenarios where it's $15 and it'll tell, it's a thousand people and you, could, you have to come in first place. Uh, let's see. Alex Santi says, Grant and Griffin has positive correlation per the RG correlation table. Yeah, of course they have positive correlation because one passes the ball to each other. That doesn't mean their ceilings are correlated. People use that RG correlation tool. No offense. It's worthless. It makes sense from a play-to-play basis, but you're not playing players. You're playing lineups. So I don't care that Kyrie Irving passes the ball to DeAndre Jordan. All I care about is when DeAndre, when if DeAndre Jordan has 50 points or whoever or Jeff Green, whoever does Kyrie Irving have 70 because I need ceilings like that. The, the correlation tool doesn't, doesn't measure that. It measures correlation of points together from a median perspective. So obviously a guy that passes the ball a lot and a guy that shoots a lot are going to be correlated to one another, right? They're going to be highly correlated, but yes, Jeremy Grant is highly correlated to Blake Griffin. When Blake Griffin scores 25 points and Jeremy Grant scores 38 points, their points are very correlated to one another. But 25 and 38 doesn't give me a GPP, so I don't care. Who cares? Great. Jeremy Grant has eight points on Blake Griffin's three assists. What does that tell me? That does all, who cares? Blake Griffin put up 25 and Jeremy Grant put up 38, so Who cares that they're all those, their points are more correlated in that extent. That doesn't matter. You care about ceilings. I'd rather Jeremy Grant give me 70 and Blake Griffin give me two and just have Jeremy Grant. So I need to know how correlated are their ceilings together for their price. How how often do they put up seven X together? That's what you care about. So the correlation tool does not show you that. It just shows you the overlap in points. And most players' points don't overlap that much in basketball. Correlations are weak in basketball. So maybe Steph Curry and Kelly Oubre in a specific game, only eight or nine of their points overlap, right, for assists, right? Stuff like that. Eight or nine of their points. But, I mean, you need Curry to put up 55 and Oubre to put up 40 or, you know, something like that. So to have, out of 95 total points, 16 are overlap. So what does that matter? Who cares, right? Where's the rest of it? I need to know the ceiling. So you shouldn't be measuring correlation on a play-by-play type of basis like that. Okay, any last questions before we get out of here? Let's see. John Moxley who's not the real John Moxley, the wrestler. I hope, that maybe he is. Would you say that when a player performs better than his projection, usually it's because he got an unusual amount of unstable stats, I guess. But I mean, what do you mean by better than his projection? There's no such thing as better than his projection. His projection is his projection. I think what you mean to say is better than his median projection, but his projection is a range of outcomes. So Vooch puts up 69 points today. That's within one standard deviation. That would not be considered weird. If Vooch put up anywhere from 36 to 69 today, neither would be. Oh, 36. Oh my God, what a bust. No, that was within one standard deviation. Oh, he put up 69. Wow, he crushed. No, that's still within one standard deviation. If he put up 88, yes. Then I would agree with you. If he put up 12, yes, I would agree with you but that's what these ranges are. People really over, over or underestimate the variance of players. 36 to 69 is 33 points. And that's still within one standard deviation of his, proje- of his median. So Vooch puts up 36 points tonight, he didn't bust. He's within that fat range of his, of his projection. And if he put up 69, he didn't smash. I mean, yes, he smashed for, for, for contest purposes, but that's well within one standard deviation of his range of outcomes. People look at these numbers in the middle and go, that's the that's the prediction. Vooch 53. If he puts up 48, up, your projections off. If he puts up 58, ah, uh, your project, ah, uh, he was too low. Like, dude, that's just the median outcome. That's just the median. This this is not a prediction. These numbers are not predictions. This is the projection, 36 to 69, 36 to 70, 24 to 50. Here's a 28 to 55 for Donovan Mitchell. Oh, he put up 54 points. We had him projected for 41, no, median was 41. We didn't have, we had him projected for 28 to 55 within one standard deviation. You have to think probabilistically. These numbers aren't predictions. It's just, this is the middle number of a range of outcomes. That's all it is. That's all it is. Okay, folks. So we talked a little bit about today's slate, a little, right? We talked about yesterday's slate. I scolded people about playing cash games without diversification. You can do it if you want. Fine. Do it. Have fun. Do whatever way you want to do it. But I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying to teach you. I'm just trying to teach you here. That's what I try to do every morning, every morning, weekday morning, at eleven o'clock Eastern Time. On the way out the door, hit the thumbs up button. Got to keep the it's mango juice. I'm telling you, it's false advertising that they put the word apple on this. I want someone out there for extra credit. Okay, I don't know what I, I don't know what I'll give you. Right, go out buy Mott's Apple Mango. Tasted it, and you, you tell me that it's not just, that there, there, there's no apple, it's po- quite possible there's no apple juice in here whatsoever. I think it's false advertising. You tell me, maybe, maybe I, I'm not picking it up. I don't have a discernible enough palate to pick up the apple. I pick up tons of mango, but the apple, no, don't, this ain't apple juice, it's mango juice, pa- masquerading as apple juice. So keep it cold every morning for me. Hit those thumbs up, the thummy thumbs. And I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow on another edition of the DFS pregame show here on Rotogrinders.com. <laughs>